When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Ethos Lakers fam, as the great Joni Mitchell once said, Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Ethan and I spent a lot of time this season, I don't know if complaining is the right word, but expressing disappointment and the lack of effort at times. And say what you will about how the season ended, in a sweep versus the Denver Nuggets. Lack of effort was certainly not really anything you could describe in the four games versus the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are simply better. For all of my, what turned out to be inaccurate analysis in saying, I don't trust Jokic in the playoffs. I don't think he's a winning playoff player because in the past, what teams have done was really key in on him and if you hyper-focus on him, similar to the way people hyper-focus on Giannis in the playoffs, you know, he can be dealt with. And, you know, Jokic proved that he can't be dealt with. That for some weird and inexplicable reason, that loaf of bread who couldn't jump over a phone book to save his life is somehow the best player in the league and he somehow managed to make Anthony Davis look kind of menial. And Anthony Davis ended that series averaging 29-14 and was a defensive powerhouse when he wasn't guarding Jokic. And it didn't matter. So now the Lakers are faced with a lot of questions this summer. I don't know if anyone was expecting... What turned out to be the big news after this game, I know after the 3-0 series lead, people were beginning to talk about the offseason, and you're ta- you're, you hear people talking about, and you've heard me and Ethan talk about the priorities needing to be retain Reeves, retain Rui, and figure out the point guard situation from there, but... LeBron James has hinted, and I don't think it's a serious hint. I'm, I certainly don't buy it, but the fact that it's on his mind is definitely a thing of concern. He hinted at he might possibly retire this summer, that this might be it. I think there's a number of options that... LeBron has to think about that he is contemplating one of which I think might be taking a year off when you factor in all the playoff games that LeBron James has played throughout his 20 year career he has played an extra three and a half seasons he's basically had a 23 and a half year career when you when you factor in the playoff games 
when you factor in that his physiological clock really hasn't been right since 2020. You had the pandemic in 2020 when the season shut down for four months and that rejuvenated his body and he was nearly unstoppable in the bubble. But then you had a three-month offseason and he was just useless that season. And ever since then, he's got the ankle problems and the foot problems and he's just he just physiologically hasn't had the amount of time that he usually has to recharge in between seasons plus the fact that he's getting older. And... You know, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of people float out the possibility that what he really wants is to take a year off. And if that were the case, I, I certainly don't blame him. You know, Michael took two years off, came back and won three more championships. Whether or not he planned on taking those two years off, I, I don't know. I think, I, I don't know that any player has ever willingly taken a year off. Like, has willingly said, like, I'm just taking a year off. Like I, I know some players sort of have that happen, but that's usually not of their own choosing. Tristan Thompson hasn't played in a year, and all of a sudden LeBron brings him back for a playoff run, and now you've got Tristan Thompson thinking he's going to come back and be a Laker next year. I hope he's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for the surprise contribution in the fourth game, and he is a good rebounder, and he does know how to play with LeBron, but mm, no thanks. He can get his Kardashian curse out of L.A. I don't want any part of that. Now, what you do hear people floating possibilities about concerning this hint of retirement is LeBron basically saying he wants to retool for one more run. I think I think if, given the right situation, I think LeBron does have one more championship in him. I don't know if the Bronny situation holds any value here. One thing that LeBron has actually said recently is he has sort of walked back the possibility of playing with Bronny. And what he said makes sense. You know, LeBron James said, just because it's my aspiration doesn't necessarily mean that it's his. And I don't think anyone's ever really looked at the possibility of playing with Bronny James from Bronny's point of view. If you're you're going to be an NBA player, your name is already LeBron James Jr. You have plenty of pressure on you already. You're going to basically go to work with your dad. You're going to be an NBA player coming into millions of dollars on the road, being an adult for the first time. This is the prime of your life. And you're going to be hanging out with your dad at work. I can certainly understand if this is not Bronny's aspiration. It's admirable if it is. Certainly understandable if it's not. And honestly, kudos to LeBron for understanding that and not forcing that upon his son. You know, I'm sure LeBron, as a father, can be an intimidating figure to his son. And if he wanted it, he could will it to happen. But the fact that he might be willing to understand and look himself in the mirror and be like, you know, my son may not want this. I think that's admirable. So I wouldn't factor Bronny into the decision-making of the Lakers for the immediate future. I, 
I do think at this stage of LeBron's career, he's definitely taking it day by day and decision by decision. So what does that mean for the Lakers? Well, like I said, some people are floating the possibility that LeBron may be using this retirement talk as leverage to finally get what he wants, which is Kyrie Irving in a Lakers uniform. Now, before we get to that, I'll talk about Kyrie here in a second. But I just want to take a moment to reflect on on this season as a whole. This season started out 2-10. and 10. The roster wasn't working. The chemistry wasn't there. Russell Westbrook was still on the Lakers when everyone thought he was going to be traded last summer, and he wasn't traded in the summer, and sure enough, it was a disaster, and he made the move to the bench, and he was actually a little bit better when he went to the bench, but not so much better that he was worth the albatross-sized pie of the salary cap that that Russell Westbrook took up. And once he was moved, yeah, he saw the immediate improvement, and it just, it's so maddening. After the Lakers won the championship, and then they missed the playoffs the very next year, I think what the Lakers did was a massive overcorrection that was not needed. The reason the Lakers missed the playoffs the year after the championship is because of that immediately short offseason. Miami played the Lakers in the bubble in the finals as well, and they missed the playoffs that next season for the same reason. They weren't healthy because they didn't have a properly long offseason. And look at Miami now. Miami didn't overcorrect at all. Miami made moves that made sense. They hired, they they signed Kyle Lowry. They picked up Kevin Love in the buyout market. They they Miami has made smart moves that complement the core of Jimmy Butler and and Bam Adebayo. And what the Lakers did was a massive overcorrection in getting rid of KCP, KCP who now plays for the Denver Nuggets, who who was part of the reason why the Lakers got swept because KCP couldn't miss against the Lakers in this series. And say what you will about KCP. I don't know if people remember this, but before he was traded to the Washington Wizards for Russell Westbrook as part of that package that included Kyle Kuzma, KCP was a great three-point shooter. He had a great season for the Lakers. I was mad to see him go. And I didn't want Westbrook at all. But I understood that if you were going to make some kind of a big-name trade, that KCP had to be a part of it. I understood that. But I certainly didn't want to see KCP go, and I certainly didn't want to see him go for Russell Westbrook. KCP is a lights-out shooter, and he killed the Lakers this season, this series. So my biggest fear for this offseason, my biggest fear regarding this retirement talk is a massive overcorrection that's not going to be needed. And we all know that an overcorrection is certainly something that's within Rob Palenka's capabilities. Russell Westbrook was a massive overcorrection, and it was a completely wrong move. It didn't work at all, in the slightest, had no chance of working. And I fear that there's definitely a possibility of the Lakers doing that again. Part of the reason why they let Alex Caruso go was because they traded for Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook ate up so much of that 
that salary cap that Caruso's excellent play as a Laker ended up making him too much money. And the Lakers couldn't afford the luxury tax to retain him. Well, the Lakers might be in a similar spot with Alec, with Austin Reeves. Now, Alex Caruso, by the way, first team NBA All-Defense this season. So his time as a Laker was not a fluke. Austin Reeves has played so well. He actually hit some really clutch buckets against the Nuggets. The Nuggets, the Nuggets games were close primarily because of Austin Reeves' shooting. Austin Reeves was one of the best, if not the best, three-point shooter in the playoffs. Austin Reeves, he might have been too good. (laughs) Because the team can now offer him close to $100 million, which is almost double what the Lakers can offer him. And the Lakers have a right to match. But will they? Will they be willing to pay the luxury tax costs? The precedent is certainly there for them to not be willing to do that. Which is really unfortunate, just because Austin Reeves has played really well. And I mean, if Golden State were to come calling, Austin Reeves, these are the teams Austin Reeves would make a perfect player for. He would make a perfect member of the Warriors. He would make a perfect member of the Jazz. He would make a perfect member of the Sacramento Kings. Like, so many teams could fit in Austin Reeves, and he'd be a perfect fit. But he's such a good fit with LeBron James. The Lakers have to retain him. They have to. He's their number one priority. Despite the LeBron James retirement talk, they have to figure out a way to bring back Austin Reeves. Their second priority has to be Rui Hachimura. Rui Hachimura. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, for whatever reason, he just, there are players who elevate their play in the playoffs and then there are players who don't. And Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves both proved to be players that elevate their game in the playoffs. Austin Reeves, I actually don't know how much his play elevated in the playoffs from the regular season because once Russell Westbrook was traded, Austin's usage rate increased dramatically. And his pace of play was actually really similar in the playoffs to what Austin Reeves was doing post-Russell Westbrook trade. But, so Austin Reeves was actually a little better than his regular season performance post-trading deadline. And he was a very consistent shooter from the three-point line. Rui Hachimura, Rui Hachimura was a sub-30% three-point shooter, I believe, and in the playoffs was damn near 40. And given more minutes, Rui was a great offensive presence, great in the mid-range, good rebounder, good defender, a really good compliment to Anthony Davis. Now, I know LeBron James is an important piece, and I know he's hinting in retirement, but I think the Lakers have to prioritize Reeves and Rui and once you're there, then you can prioritize LeBron James or what it is that he wants. Now, the good thing is you don't have to mess with LeBron's contract because his contract is there. It's set. 
But if you want to address things he may want, let, let's say he wants Kyrie Irving. Well, Brian Windhorst has actually come out and said that there is a world in which the Lakers can retain both Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura and sign Kyrie Irving. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think Rui would be included in that. But the drawback to going with the Kyrie Irving, while even while retaining Austin Reeves, is once you have that that core four, then you're filling out the rest of the roster with minimum contract guys, which is the problem that you landed with when you overcorrected by signing Westbrook. This would be the same if the Lakers went after Trey Young, which is another rumor that's out there, and this would definitely be the same if the Lakers went after James Harden. James Harden is maybe my least favorite NBA player. You think I hated Russell Westbrook? Wait until the Lakers sign James Harden if that happens. I will absolutely hate it. It, I I can't even, I don't want to even think about it. The Lakers are very close to a blueprint that works. The, the trouble is, I think similarly to how teams in the past used to build rosters around how can you stop the Golden State Warriors, I think now you have to think about how can you stop Jokic and the Nuggets. You have to build a roster around that. And, I mean, personally, I think... I think the Lakers sort of discovered something this season. If Anthony Davis wants to be a defensive player of the year, I think the best position for him is to go back to power forward, like he's been wanting the whole time. This was his first kind of full year embracing the role of being the center. But in this playoff run, when Anthony Davis was at his best defensively, it was when he was sort of a roamer on defense. Meaning you had like guys like Rui or, Van- Rui or Vanderbilt on Kevon Looney, or Jokic, um, or Jaron Jackson, and Anthony Davis was a roamer. He was able to deflect passes when when Rui or Vanderbilt challenge shots, then Anthony Davis is there for rebounds and quick outlets and things like that. I think Anthony Davis is a roamer, is an almost guaranteed defensive player of the year. So that's where you have to look at True centers who are going to be free agents. Now, the Lakers are going to bring back Mo Bamba, or maybe they won't. I mean, he's under contract next season, but maybe they'll try to trade him. Or Part of his money, I don't think, isn't guaranteed next season. So, I mean, he may he may not come back. My one criticism of Darvin Ham, I think Darvin Ham had an excellent rookie season as a head coach. I think head coaching is a skill that you can get better at, and he progressively got better at it throughout the year, with the exception of starting Rui way too late versus the Nuggets. He should have started game one. He should have... They should have looked at the matchups and understood that that small lineup against Denver was not going to work at all against in game one. And that's neither here nor there. But the Lakers traded Patrick Beverly for Mo Bamba. You can't tell me... If you weren't going to use Mo Bamba at all, which they ended up not using, partly because he was injured... But even before he was injured, they just never really gave him a shot. As much as I wanted Mo Bamba to be there, I'm not ready to admit that the Mo Bamba thing was a failure because I don't think they gave him a chance. And I don't know why they didn't give him a chance. But being that you ended up not really using him, wouldn't you have rather have kept Patrick Beverly? Like, wouldn't Patrick Beverly have, as much as he lacks on offense, wouldn't he have been a little useful 
against Jamal Murray going for 30 points and a half and Jamal Murray going for 23 points in the fourth quarter in game three, like wouldn't, wouldn't Patrick Beverly have helped if you were going to end up not using Mo Bamba at all? But I, again, neither here nor there. So if you're going to go with a three center lineup, like the Lakers did for a lot of the year, they also ended up trading Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant would have been a big help. He demanded to be traded because he wasn't getting playing time. Well, he got traded to Denver where he didn't get any playing time either. So I don't know what his problem with his role in the Lakers ended up being. And I think had Thomas Bryant stuck around, I think the Lakers would have eventually figured out, hey, let's start Thomas Bryant and let's put Anthony Davis next to him, which is what I wanted to see all season. I wanted to see the both of them together because I wanted a twin tower lineup. Something that hasn't really been seen since the Spurs last did it in the, in the late 90s, early aughts. But I think a lineup like that could definitely do wonders against a team like the Nuggets. So I think there are options at center. Brooke Lopez is going to be a free agent. Brooke Lopez, another all-NBA defensive player. He had a great season in Milwaukee. All signs are pointing to him returning back to Milwaukee, but I mean, maybe the Lakers can convince him to come back. The advantage the Lakers have to their contract, Malik Beasley is a $16 million team option. They can just cut him and boom, that's $16 million added back into your cap. There's no way Malik Beasley comes back at $16 million next season. I Lakers fans will have a conniption if they if they bring back Malik Beasley at $16 million to do what he did in the offseason in the or in the postseason, which is almost nothing, that's not gonna work. And again, the biggest fear you have of the Lakers is they did everything so intelligently come trading deadline this season. Everything before that was so incompetent. You worry about them reverting back to incompetency. You worry about a massive overcorrection. That's what I worry about. So yeah, the Lakers do have a lot to think about this summer, but I think as much as I'm focusing on the offseason and I started to glance or I started to touch on this past season as as a whole, my, my thoughts on the season, I really thought the Lakers could get past Denver and I was I was looking ahead and maybe the Lakers were too at, at a potential finals run rematch of the bubble or LeBron James as a Laker versus the Celtics. Like, I wanted that so bad. But to come back from a 2-10 season, to realize your mistake with Russell Westbrook and fix it as elegantly as Rob Palenka did, as amazingly as Rob Palenka did with the pieces that he did, when you factor in the, the injuries that LeBron James and Anthony Davis had throughout the year and we still really haven't heard how much that that foot was bothering LeBron towards the end of the season or not. It, I mean, this season is a, is a success. To lead a seven seed to the Western Conference Final in and of itself is is a success. When you factor in the two and ten start, you factor in almost half of the roster was rebuilt in February. This season was a success. Darvin Ham being a rookie head coach, this season was a success. I only hope that 
the Lakers understand what it was that worked for them, how to rebuild for the future. I think the Lakers and I think other teams in the West are going to start to see rosters that are built to stop the Nuggets. Over in the East, there's... There still isn't the East is improving, but there isn't anything out in the East that scares you. The way the Boston Celtics are are losing this postseason, they are not as scary as they once were. Robert Williams is is getting older and he's getting less healthy. Jalen Brown is not happy in Boston, and that's on, that's becoming more and more apparent. Jason Tatum has always wanted to be a Laker, and while he's still playing great for Boston, I think eventually, at some point, especially now that both of them have made the All-NBA team, and to re-sign both of them to Supermax deals is going to be so expensive, too expensive when you factor in the fact, when you consider the fact that I think I think the Celtics are, have gotten as close as they're going to get to winning a championship with this core. And so... If they decide to break it up, Jason Tatum is a hell of a trade package. You can get a lot back for him. So I think you're going to see a lot of teams shift their focus. You're going to see a lot of teams build rosters around how to get past Denver. I don't think you're going to see a lot of rosters built around how to stop Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia's going to take a step back next season. And if Philadelphia's going to take a step back because James Harden is going to re-sign elsewhere, then it may also be time to start that process all over again because they may have gotten as close to a championship as they're ever going to get to. And so who ends up being the scariest team in the West? Cleveland? Yeah, I think Cleveland. And they weren't very impressive this postseason. But what do you guys think? Do you guys think this season was a success or a failure? I think Giannis gave a lot of people things to think about when we think about the word failure. And while getting swept is not a great feeling, all of the games were close. And Denver is clearly a better team. I don't consider this season a failure. I consider the 18 months of Russell Westbrook. I consider the massive overreaction to missing the playoffs post-championship. There are parts of this recent Lakers run that have been a failure, but certainly everything since February of this past season has not been a failure. And I very eagerly anticipate this summer seeing what moves the Lakers are going to make and hopefully... They make some good ones. The Lakers have a 17 pick in the first round this year. Hopefully some good comes of that. Until next time, I am your host for this episode, JC DeLeon. You can follow me on Twitter at JCDeLeon1. You can follow the show on Twitter at EthosLakers. Until next time, we're out.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.